Coming up on the Assassins Podcast, we've got Lauren Pete, CEO and founder of Multitudes, joining the show to talk about the future of engineering and how teams use DORA metrics to measure engineering effectiveness. We talk about the importance of focusing on team outcomes and goals as an engineering leadership team in performance. And then we follow that up. We get a little futuristic talking about the impact that generative AI is going to have on the future of engineering team performance and productivity, what that looks like, and then the ethics behind AI and how entrepreneurs should be striving to build to a higher standard. I met Lauren a, a while ago just to talk a little bit more about performance management, You know, being in the, in the space for quite a while. She's a really sharp entrepreneur, and they've got an awesome product with Multitude, so was really excited to have her in. This is a great episode. All right, without further ado, Assassins, let's get into the show. See them dollar signs, Assassins, state of mind. Assassins, state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin state of mind. Assassin state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything Asian again. Shopping for a wedding ring. Salary startups. Crypto stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call. What is going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your host, Justin Vandehey, here at the Assassin's Podcast, where every week we have exceptional founders on the show sharing their war stories, their journeys, taking their companies from zero to one. This week on the podcast, we've got a special guest in. She's a serial founder currently leading the team at Multitudes. Lauren Pete, welcome into the Assassin's Podcast. Thanks, Justin. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's awesome to catch up again. Wanted to, you know, we'll get into multitudes a little bit, but I thought taking a step back, I'd love maybe if you could take a moment just to share a little bit about your background. And we always start with the founding stories here. Like, what was the founding story behind multitudes? Yeah. So, briefly on my background, um, because it's ironic, is that I am one of those accidentally in tech people. So, I did my undergrad at Stanford and, and obviously had lots of startups and tech things happening around me, did a little bit of coding but did not catch the the tech and startup bug until later. Ended up working with some some big tech companies out around San Francisco, but then really caught it when I moved out to the Middle East and was working with startups out there. And just the grit and the passion, and in particular with the companies I was working with, the the commitment to their communities and solving real problems, just, just it, it sucked me in and here I am. And the beginning of Multitudes comes from the company that I was running before. So I've always been really interested in this question of how do we get teams of people working well together? Because all the big things we know take teams to build them. It's very rare that one person on their own can make massive change in the world. So that team piece has always been interested to me. And then also that piece of data and analytics and where it's useful and where it can give us great insights. But of course, the limitations of it, like how do we still keep that really human and so before Multitudes, I was running a consultancy that was focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, but really that as a pathway to getting teams to work better together. We worked with some great global companies like Automatic and Zero, and a few things kept coming up. One, we wanted to know what kind of impact are we actually having? And it's one thing for people to leave and say, hey, I felt good at the end of this, and to give you some nice scores on a survey. 
But we wanted to know in the day-to-day and how people are working together, did it get better? And then as I was talking to friends, I just kept seeing that problem over and over. So a, a good friend of mine, for example, who'd just been promoted up to be a, a manager of managers, so an engineering director, he had this story. I still remember just the frustration when he shared the story of a skip level report who he tries to meet with his, all of his skip levels regularly, but he had a skip level report where it took two months before he found out that they'd been struggling. They were new to the team. They just hadn't landed and, and so really hadn't been able to contribute very much for two months. And um, so I kept seeing those kinds of examples over and over. And the beginning of multitudes then was just answering the question of how is it actually going for people in the day to day? How are we tracking in terms of how we collaborate, how our well-being is going in terms of the behavioral indicators? And then what does that mean for how we're actually getting the work done? And then that led to multitudes. And I built the first version myself, very hacky, self-taught on a few machine learning tools and other languages, but it's grown from there. Uh, one of the metrics that maybe folks on the podcast aren't necessarily familiar with is the Dora metrics. If you could explain what Dora metrics are and how Multitudes helps measure the effectiveness of development teams. So engineering effectiveness, it's a really interesting space because it is newer because engineering as a, as a space is relatively new compared to other sectors. And so DOOR stands for the DevOps Research and Assessment. It's a multi-year series of research. And the questions they were seeking to answer was, what are the metrics of software development performance that are correlated with the financial success of the company? But the other thing they look at is how do we also make sure that all this is happening on a foundation of psychological safety? And they, so many pieces of research have validated this, but, but their research have as well, the importance of psychological safety for actually having a team perform well. So that's something that we really love about those metrics. It's yes, there's the hard numbers piece, but it's also a very human way of thinking about it. And another key thing about those metrics is that it's not one measure. There, there's a reason there's metrics. So there's four key metrics. They rolled out a new one last year. And it's a mix of things from how quickly are we moving with the work to how much are we getting done to what are we seeing in terms of the quality of the work that we create. And because those are intentions, so we see this all the time, moving quickly often comes at a cost of quality or with, with some of the other measures we look at, moving quickly will often come at a cost to the long hours people are working or some of our collaboration patterns. And so it's a reminder to not over-optimize on one thing and remember that with any of these decisions, it's not that there's one right thing to do, it's that we need to make the right trade-offs to get where we need to get. Then the second piece is, of course, how Multitudes helps teams measure that. So we hook into the tooling that teams already use. And so in our case, that's GitHub, it's Jira, it's incident management tooling like PagerDuty. And then from there can pull out insights around not only where's the work blocked, but also who's working long hours and might be at risk of burnout and then who's not getting as much support on their work. Yeah, I had a chance. I checked out the platform demo and I, I love that approach and what you're building and Disco prior to selling the company to CultureAmp was very much in the flow of work. And so that whole thesis of being inside of Slack, being in the places where people are collaborating every day. I also love part of the platform where you actually recommend actions to take for teams and managers. And so you're obviously, again, super close to employee work output and productivity. And I know when we were going through our journey, there was some concern about how close we were to the work. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, have you seen any pushback or concern from either engineering managers and employees and how they take to the product? 
this is our number one thing that we think about, which is how do we build a tool that is empowering for teams and helping them make better decisions for themselves and not just something that someone from the outside with less context is using to come in and say, hey, here's what you need to do. And there's a great quote from an engineering leadership coach named Laura Taco that the key difference between when these metrics feel empowering versus creepy is where the locus of control is. And so for us, that that's why, first and foremost, we're always thinking about this data is coming from the team. And so what's the value we're giving back to the team? And it, we have a series of data ethics principles. One of them is reciprocity. That's what governs this. And so that's why we're, we're really tactical as well about how to use it, because we're thinking great, we've identified maybe things are slowing down because they're, we're seeing that there's quite a few blocked pieces of work. And so we built the Slack alert that teams can have arrive just in time for standup and they can talk through what needs a review, what needs another round of, of edits, and then how are we going to progress that forward? So it's really for us that taking action piece, but also um, building a tool that is is very clearly for the team and, and for the team to make their own decisions. Those really go hand in hand. The last thing I'll add on that too, and this is another one of our data ethics principles, is we've seen over and over the importance of context. And this is why, again, it's really important that the data goes back to the team because the team has the context. The, the numbers are one thing. And really, we see the numbers as a useful starting point for a conversation. But especially numbers about people, it's never going to be the full picture. And so the team has that context. And many of our actions are saying the next recommended step is to really have a conversation with some people on your team to get that context. Hmm. It's always this balance. I always feel like when we go through our perf cycles and we talk about employee feedback, I feel like that's the hard thing with HR. It's like you're trying to quantify the unquantifiable in a lot of cases. And in some roles, it's easier to quantify that output than others, right? So it's like sales, it's very cut and dry. Engineering output, it's it's becoming, I think, more clear, cut and dry based on the work that you all are doing. I love that idea of just like really anchoring it back in the team and making it a conversation starter rather than a snooping tool or something that... uh, is used for evil, I guess. And one thing I'll just add there that we've seen be really important too is the on the performance side, why it's so important to focus on team outcomes and team goals. Because that when, when we think about it as we're all in a team together, we might have different roles. Like one person might be doing more coding. Another person, we see this a lot on kind of that journey to a senior developer. Another person might be really focused on what's the feedback and coaching that I'm giving to others on the team. There's all sorts of ways that we can contribute and the key thing we need is that outcome as a collective. And so related to that, we actually don't do individual performance metrics because we've also seen that that can have an adverse impact on psychological safety. And then that takes your performance in the wrong direction from from where you Mm. want it to go anyway. But that's something else. That's one where, you know, this, like you were saying, this feedback piece and trying to quantify the unquantifiable, it is something that um, can be a real discussion point. (laughs) Um, for some yeah. folks around around why we don't do those kinds of measures. I even think when we launched the first version of Disco, we were playing around with, this was just feedback more generally, but we launched this. It was almost like a perf rating review, but it wasn't formal performance management. And we pinned it to an individual when we released it into the wild. And it almost blew this company up. It was so bad. And I feel like, yeah, this was super early. We might edit this out of the podcast, but honestly, <laughs> there was uh, there was a lot of learning in that, and I, I really do like the approach that y'all are taking with it because I think it's I think it's really smart. So shifting gears a little bit, there's 
a lot of activity, excitement around this movement around generative AI. And with the innovation that's happening there, I'd love to hear your perspective on how Multitudes is responding to that. There's a lot of questions around how engineering teams introduce these technologies as more and more of that starts to become automated. What does this look like for Multitudes as a platform and how you're thinking about embracing that as part of the tool? And then I guess at like a meta level, how do you see this interfacing with engineering team performance? So when it comes to generative AI, there's a lot we're really excited about and some things we're really cautious about. And on the excitement side, something I I could share is in the background, we've actually been running our own R&D around this question of feedback quality and and what are ways that we could reflect that back to people. And um, we had been testing different classifiers and there's one we tested and and I won't even name it because to be honest, this is true across lots of them, but we tested it on our own feedback and we work really hard to, to build a team culture that's really positive and growth oriented and supportive. And it flagged our lead engineer, Emily, as having toxic language because in a review, she'd said to someone, you're killing it. And it's kicked oh, off man. since then, just this internal team joke. If anytime someone says, oh, you're killing it, we all kind of pause. And we're like, oh, I mean that in a non-toxic way, <laughs> just so that you know. And, and so anyway, one of the really exciting things about generative AI is we finally have a tool that's actually pretty good at detecting sarcasm. And that's been a real gap. And that's actually been one of the things that's meant that um, we've, we've needed to do some more work in the background to roll out our, our feedback quality measure. So we're really, really excited about that. The, the caution that we bring to it is we know that the, the models that we train, they're only as good as the data that they're trained on and also the way that they're built in, in terms of who's part of that, that model development process and what questions are they asking in terms of understanding that it's not just like data isn't, it's not neutral. We are always, because it's people who are shaping it and putting into it, we are always encoding it with our own norms around things. And so particularly when it comes to generative AI, there's some really great research out there about how it is gendered and it it is biased when it comes to race and to sexuality and, and all sorts of societal norms because the human's creating the data and building the model have have shaped that into it. And so that's something that is deeply important for us, for our data ethics principles, for our own set of values. Um, and so what it means in practice is as a team, we're thinking about, yes, this, this is a useful classifier for us. It can be helpful for classifying feedback quality. It can be helpful for helping us generate new actions. But it is only one of many inputs that we're using because the last thing we would want is to be encoding sexism and racism and homophobia into our product. Okay. I know we're rounding out our time here. So this isn't your first rodeo. You've been on the founder train before. Ask this question of serial assassins, we like to call them on the show, serial assassins. What is one thing you wish Lauren Pete, the founder of Multitudes, would have told Lauren, the founder of Ally Skills? I spent some time thinking about this. The number one thing is to enjoy the journey. Which sounds like a cliche, but I think especially with founders, there's there's so many big goals we're chasing. And even when you hit one big goal, there's always the next hill to climb. And so I've seen over and over how easy it's been for me to achieve something and then and then say, okay, great, cool, nice job team, but now we gotta go get to this next one. And frankly, it's not 
awesome for the team when I've done that because we've probably all been working really hard <laughs> to get to whatever milestone it was. And so yeah. everyone needs a moment to really sit in the appreciation for each other and, and what we've been able to accomplish. And it's not so great for me either if I'm just constantly striving for the next thing and, and not looking back and and enjoying what we've been able to accomplish. So that's one part of it. And the second part of it in terms of enjoying the journey is also appreciating the stage that we're at. And it's been interesting with some of our advisors who are at companies that are further along. And of course, we want to get to that stage. That's what we're working for. But I've noticed the the things that people will reminisce about. So for us, as an example, we're a smaller team. We're still small enough. We can all hop in a room and and nut something out together and with one conversation, get everyone on the same page and all go and build the thing. And that, I, I know that doesn't stay as you scale. And so I'm trying to remind myself as well to enjoy that, even though there's, there's all sorts of other things we want to get to. There's a lot of really amazing parts of the stage we're at now. Yeah, that totally resonates and hit home. Uh, same along the disco journey, just thinking early, early stages, just being able to get people in a room, jam on an idea and have fun, get the collective core team together is always an awesome memory. One other thing, I because I realized I didn't answer your question before too, around that point of generative AI and how we think it's going to impact engineering teams and engineering team performance. And the biggest thing I'll say there is that this is why this question of data ethics is so important. And it's something that we as a whole team at Multitudes are really passionate about. And for so long, we've just treated data and these machine learning models as on the one hand, with data, if you can capture it, why wouldn't you? Let's let's just store it, right? Storing data is cheap. And then on the model side, like, yep, cool. Why would we not put in some, some cool models in the latest technology? And while those are true, there are risks. There are things that we're encoding if we're not asking ourselves whether we actually need the data and whether we should be storing it or could there be unintended consequences of having this information. And then similarly with the models that we use. And so I just want to do a shout out there to some people who are doing amazing work in this space, like the Algorithmic Justice League and Kathy O'Neill. And one of our data scientists even wrote a blog post as well about that machine learning development lifecycle and thinking about how you can mitigate bias. So that's that's my big shout out is I know lots of people are rolling this out. and to make sure that we're building tools that are really amplifying humans and helping us be better, it's that's only going to happen if we're thinking about data ethics and the moments when we could be inadvertently causing harm. I just read this morning, I don't know if you saw this, I think it was a Drake in Future song that just got ripped on Spotify. Somebody just collaborated and completely put together a deep fake of a Drake in Future track that's just blowing uh, up on Spotify now. I'm going to go and check honestly, it out. It's just like, <laughs> It just blew my mind to think about like every industry having to rethink the copyright of who has ownership to these assets and how are you being compensated for them? And I don't know, it's going to get crazy. And for multitudes, I just, I could see so many different and interesting applications for even things like the co-pilot or actually mm. being able to recommend actions for your team to take. And I could yeah. just see so many interesting applications for the work that y'all are doing. And yes. okay. So as we round down, What's next for Multitudes? And then also anything else that you wanted to plug? So what next on the product side? Tons of really exciting stuff. The biggest thing for us is how we can keep making it 
even easier to get the nudges and alerts to help you achieve your own goals. So there's in this next stage of the product, there's a lot more around people being able to customize. Here's what we're working towards as a team. And then we adapt our nudges and our recommended actions based on that. So some really exciting stuff coming around there. We're in private beta at the moment. And so if there are teams out there who resonate with our work, who really want to be part of developing the the more ethical AI coach for teams, we would love your input. We're really focused on bringing those values aligned beta testers at this stage. So get in touch. Lauren, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Excited for multitudes where you're taking the company and we got to have you back on. I would love here. that. Thanks. All right. That is a wrap. Again, shout out to Lauren and the entire team at Multitudes. If you are an engineering leader looking to get better performance and productivity out of your dev team, strongly encourage you to check out Multitudes. They've got a great product and a pretty special business. So this week on the podcast, we've got a great guest coming on. She's a a longtime friend of mine. She was the person that first taught me anything about how business development works. And now she is the founder of a company called June Care, which is disrupting childcare in a pretty innovative way. So you're going to want to tune into that. Uh, they're building out the June Care network and the business there. So a lot of really, really cool things that she's going to share around network effects and how they've gotten their company off the ground. In the meantime, if you check out the Assassin's site, uh, I posted an article recently about the time that I ran a marathon without training, and that was stupid. That was really stupid, but uh, some pretty awesome insights and reflecting on that experience and how it made me a better entrepreneur, uh, which was featured on Entrepreneur last week, but check out the article there if you haven't read it. Uh, And then lastly, we've got a big change coming to the Assassin's site Uh, We're actually, I mentioned this last week, we're rebranding Assassins. I'm not going to do the big reveal, but you'll see that come soon. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a a better future forward, I think, for the the brand, for the podcast, to make it more inclusive. So be on the lookout. In the meantime, as every week, appreciate y'all tuning in. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. Keep getting that. Grind, grind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything.